powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. This is Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports Station. Powered by Kitsap Credit Union. Streaming through the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Rost. Here we go now. This hour, Bump and Stacy brought to you by Advanced Hair Restoration. We're talking Mariners here. Bump, two things that get us really excited for the season, but also two things that still concern us. Let's start with what we're really excited about. Uh, do you want to go first? Sure, I'll go first. I'm excited to see the Robbie Ray bounce back. Ooh. The last image we have of this dude is not very good. It's not great. Uh, not not great at all. So I want to see how he bounce he bounces back. You know, he signed what five year, one hundred and fifteen million. That's a good contract, but that's not the type of contract you sign for a guy who you think is going to win like the Cy Young for a few years, right? You want to lock him down as much as possible. So I just want to see how he bounces back. The last image wasn't great. Um, later on the season, he introduced the sinker. Looked great at first, but then according to data, the pitchers, uh, excuse me, batter started to adjust to it and try to figure him out a little bit. So I just want to see what he looks like. Can he have the, a fast start? Last year, there wasn't a fast start. Um, come out Chicago, is raining or whatnot, and then you have a, a tough patch in July. You start to figure things out. I just want to see because I feel like he can be that guy. I feel like he can be the guy to come out hot and keep things going. I want to see what pitches he relies on, what adjustment he makes physically. Um, just the whole giddy up. Does he wear looser pants this year? I don't know. I just want to see <laughs> what Robbie Ray looks like from the jump because we know he has Cy Young in him. We just didn't see a lot of it last year, consistently at least. Curtis, you know more of these stats off the top of your head, but I felt like weirdly defensive of Robbie Ray towards the end of the year. I didn't love the decision, obviously, to pit him in that game. Rather, I should say I didn't love the outcome. I think there are a lot of things that go into making a decision like that, and you can't say definitively it was the wrong one until you know the outcome, and the outcome wasn't great, which was Jordan Alvarez uh, hitting a massive home run, ending the game, and ending all of our hopes. But um, Robbie Ray, I feel like people warped it into like, oh, he's he's sinking you. Robbie Ray is just they such a bad guy. And they you're like, get to the playoffs without him. Exactly. exactly. And that's exactly how I felt. Like this pitching staff, when was the pitching staff just, there was a stretch of time where it, like pitching as a like, whole uh, wasn't giving up more than two runs a game. Yeah, it was like late June, like all of July. They were just so phenomenal. And Robbie Ray, at one point, he had that stretch. He got off to the really terrible start. His ERA was around five uh, after getting blown out in a game against Houston, I think it was like June 6th. And then by the time like we're in September, his ERA is, you know, three, four, five. Mm-hmm. He finished the season with a three, seven, one ERA, um, which I mean, from June onward, he was an incredible pitcher for you. Um that obviously is uh, one of the most exciting ones. I want to tack on two more pitchers. Obviously, I'm excited for the starters as a whole. I'm really excited, Bump, to see what George Kirby and Logan Gilbert can do to uh, kind of continue to push towards their own ceilings as starters. Logan, first of all, we were saying this last year, is so much better than I ever thought he could be. I thought his ceiling was going to be lower than this, not on my own analysis, just based on what I read from scouts and what I was reading on his own scouting report. Um, but he's he's true, like number, you know, two, three guy. Um, and in this rotation, the fact that he's three, four is is pretty great. Kirby also Kirby. I'm really excited about in 2023. Um, so I think the starters as a whole for you, Robbie Ray, to kind of bounce back and, and prove that he's he like I'm a Cy Young winner. Yeah. Like I've been there. I just wanted to remind people. Yeah. Because like exactly. Curtis mentioned, 
you don't get to the playoffs without Robbie Ray, but a lot of the conversations I have with people, they're sing- they're singling him out and saying, "Oh, Robbie, this, Robbie, that." I go, "Man, look at look at June, July, August, September, and and tell me what you think about that." So I'm looking for I'm looking for Robbie to bounce back. All right, I'm going to tack on the young starters. I'm going to um, say one that's really obvious. It's not it's not a like an exciting, unique take, but it is an exciting, excited take. Julio. Uh, it's Julio. <laughs> I'm very, very excited about Julio. Now, we all saw Julio earn his AL Rookie of the Year award, but don't forget that he was pretty bad in April. Like, he was still figuring it out, and he seemed to have all the confidence. Like, it never seemed like it got to him, but you saw um, him have that learning curve in the beginning month of the season. He doesn't have that anymore. What is Julio for a full season with having kind of started to figure it out look like you know what i mean yeah. like what is what does julio look like not as a true rookie but as someone now who's been there this is the thing about julio he's going to peoria and he's not sneaking past anyone he's not just jogging on uh to the diamond without people wanting pictures and autographs now he's not wondering if he's going to be on the opening day roster he is the guy now he's the face of this organization He's a leader. Obviously, you need several leaders on any team, but he's the face. I'm interested to see just how he handles that. And I think he's young enough. The world hasn't jaded him enough for him just to be um, a stuck-up, arrogant, and and not really enjoy and live in that moment. I think he's going to come out and he's going to thrive, but it's just a different situation for him. Uh, he he's high profile now. Mm-hmm. He's gonna need gonna be asked to do more interviews. So I'm wondering how he's gonna handle that. If going off of what I've seen and heard and know about Julio Rodriguez, I think he's going to be fine. But it's definitely going to be an adjustment from last year. Uh, all right. Do you have uh, one more thing you're excited about? Because we yeah. kind of we did two technically, but we could also each do two. Yeah. No, it kind of goes off of what you were saying. Okay. I, I just want to see Logan Gilbert and see how he improves. 13 and 6 last year, 3.2 ERA, about 8.4 Ks per nine, about 2.4 walks per nine. But there are some things that he can improve on, man. He was third percentile in Exavila when that ball hit. So that means, I mean, he is like the worst out of 45 qualified pitchers when it comes to Exavila, 91 miles per hour. There are some things that he can fix, right? He doesn't get guys to chase on his pitches a lot. I think he was 12th when it comes to chase rate. So we're looking at him and we're praising him. And that's what gets me excited because we're praising him. Then I look mm-hmm. at these numbers and I go, there's still room for improvement. He's so young. There's still, th- still things he can work on. So it kind of goes off of what you were saying. I'm looking at Logan Gilbert and saying, all right, let's, let's, let's fix some of these numbers man and you'll yeah. be even better than you were last year uh i am really excited about the new additions particularly particularly teoscar hernandez and mm-hmm. yes this is in part inspired by our own interview with teoscar uh he just seemed like we knew that his bat would work that they could use someone who could be like the third guy in the lineup um what we didn't realize until we spoke with him was that this could be a good culture fit and i'm really excited to see them start the year with someone who can help, but also someone who can gel almost immediately with with this room. And I'm excited to see, like, what is a Mariners team? And this is kind of branched off from that. The Mariners did, like, their celebrations midway through the season, mm-hmm. right? They had Carlos Santana come here, and um, they kind of figured themselves out and got more confidence as the season went on. What does it look like when they start the year like that? Like, we have not seen a Mariners team start the season having made the playoffs. In 20 years. So, you know what I mean? Like, what does this team do? What does that confidence do? What does that culture look like? I think Teoscar Hernandez kind of ties into all of that for me. Teoscar. So, Gino Suarez is the tank top vibes type of dude. 
He's going to keep it light. You're going to have fun. And I think Teoscar is the fun but mature and calm type of dude. Yeah. And I think you need both of those. You need both ends of the spectrum so everyone can fall in the middle and and find your role with this thing. So I think he's a, a perfect fit when it comes to the Mariners because you need a guy. You need a suit and tie type of guy. And yeah. that's what Tail Tail Oscar is. All right. Let's get to some stuff making us nervous. Uh, and hopefully some of this they figure out uh, in spring training, though certainly not all of it, as you'll see from some of our examples here. So what do you got for something making you nervous? Making me nervous? Last year, these Mariners had the number one, number two farm system in the majors. Right now, around December, January, they were ranked 24th. So I'm just concerned about just developing guys to get them in there. A lot of guys have graduated, right? But when you have a strong farm system, that means that you got some trade bait as well. We saw that with Luis Castillo. It means that you are developing dudes. Another thing I want to see with that farm system is just the development of bats. We've seen the development of arms, but not yeah. really the bats. Um, it's highlighted by guys like Harry Ford. Um, and then you have, who's the other young man over there that I wrote down? I uh, forgot is his name. Is he a pitcher? Uh, Dollard? No. Goodness, why am I blanking on his name? Curtis Cole Young. Young. Yes, Cole Young. Thank you. Um, you got those guys over there. He's got a country album coming out. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to they're gonna be the highlight of it. But last year, there was about six, seven, eight guys that you can point to and say, okay, these are guys that you can use in trade moves. These are guys that you can develop. So I just want to see what the farm system looks like. I mean, yes, we want the, the guys in the show to, to do what they do. But, you know, you're only as, as strong as your weakest link. And it starts with the farm. Well, that's going to get to what concerns me is uh, potentially a weak link. And actually, it ties to the farm system. The more pieces from Seattle's previous uh, prospect group, the one that included Jared Kelnick and Julio and even prior to that, Cal, the more pieces that work out from there, the less worse you feel. They could be 30th. And I'd be like, hey, they graduated this amazing class. I'd rather have five prospects that I know worked out rather than, you know, uh, five who have even higher potential that have done nothing yet. That also is going to be heavily shaped by whether or not Jared Kelnick takes off. Jared Kelnick is kind of on his last leg. He's got one more option. So technically, technically he could get one more shot. But this is kind of it, right? Because the Mariners are contending now. And if Jared Kelnick isn't working out in left field, if Jared Kelnick is hurting your lineup, it's no longer like, hey, we've got the leeway and we've got the time and we've got, right, Justin Hollander talked to us, the ramp to let young guys mm-hmm. figure it out. Nope. you got to get to the playoffs now. So if Jared isn't working out, then, you know, who else is? Do we have an answer in left field? Do we need to make a trade? Meaning that there is kind of a deadline to figure out whether or not Jared's going to be the guy. And Jared is young. He has a lot of talent, but he's also had a lot of chances. And so I am very excited about his potential and still very nervous about the fact that he has yet to really hit on it. If he can be like a lesser version of who we all thought he could, that might still be good enough. But we aren't quite sure that he can do that yet. Man, the mess up part about Jared is I talked to there's a my baseball buddy. I've known this dude for maybe 10 years. Just say that it's Curtis. He's like affiliated. It's, really it's, it's, it's not Curtis, but he's my baseball buddy, too. Uh, <laughs> Am I your baseball buddy? Uh, you're, you're the everything buddy. Oh, okay. 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 <laughs> Go ahead. But um, he tells me that he just doesn't see it in JK. And he's been affiliated with the, with the majors for about 15, 20 years now. Um, Did he say why? He says that he thinks he tweaks too many things and that his mental just isn't there and he doesn't see a change at this point. He goes sometimes with guys, you give them the runway, the leeway to try to develop. But if you're not seeing these changes, 
week in and week out, months or whatnot, and you're a year or two in and you're talking about the same things at yeah. the, at the, with the same urgency, then sometimes it's just this isn't the right fit. Maybe somewhere else will be the fit for him. So my dude's been telling me, and, I, and I'm trying to keep it positive. I go, man, but what if this, what if that? He goes, bump. I just don't see it. He goes, I hope it works out for him, but he just doesn't see it. And some guys need that next spot, right? Yeah. Like, just because, say that we don't see the progress markers we need to see with JK, maybe he figures it out with another team, mm-hmm. right? Like, we know that this is a guy who can get his, get in his own head. How much does environment affect that? Right. I hope that the environment here is young and fun and exciting enough to help him tap into whatever he needs to tap into to make it work out. Uh, because it would make me feel better overall about the prospects that they had uh, bringing up, uh, about the power that this group has, um, about the potential. Like, it's just, it would change the outlook of everything. J- JK is in a a Pete Carroll environment. And maybe that's not it for him. Maybe he needs a Belichick environment. Yeah. Because he is a more um, straight to the point, no BS, don't really like to have too much fun type of dude. So maybe a shift. I don't know what organization is like that, Curtis. Is there an organization that you would compare New York. to uh, the uh, excuse me, the Patriots and how they do things? Uh, in baseball, gosh, just all business. I what mean, about LaRusse's White Sox? He's obviously not. Well, That's they the had anymore. like a fraction of the success. He only made the playoffs, I think, one time as White Sox manager. I was thinking of culture, I guess, where uh, it's a little more culture, where it's a little more buttoned up. I would say the Yankees. Yeah, uh, I think they're one that doesn't really allow for much nonsense to go on in their organization. Uh, very buttoned down. Uh, they, you know, anything less than a playoff appearance is a seen as a massive failure there. That's kind of probably the baseball equivalent of what the Patriots are. Uh, do you have one more concern? Yeah. Okay. Uh, to staying healthy. Got so lucky yeah, last year with the line. pitching uh, pitching staff. Can you stay healthy? And then let's not forget, Kyle was banged up at one point. Ty Franz, Julio had his back issue. Just when it comes to sports, you have to get lucky when it comes to injuries. Yeah. Guys are going to get banged up, but you don't want like three or four at the same time. You know, yeah. then you start relying on guys who you're not typically want to rely on. So yeah, just just staying healthy. That's a concern because we got extremely lucky last year. Can you double down? Guys are going to get hurt. It's a long season. Rest and from, from what we hear from this organization, it seems like they're gonna make an emphasis on making sure guys get their breaks throughout the season and not allowing them to push themselves because it sounds like they want to be out there every single day. When as a coach, you gotta be like, all right, man, just take a day off, relax, you'll be fine. I'm very curious to know how that's gonna affect Ty France and JP Crawford in particular. Who, who did play a lot. I mean, right. Ty was hurt at times, so he quite literally couldn't. Like, he did miss some time with that wrist injury. Um, but otherwise, like, there were a couple guys, uh, particularly those two, who were just always out there. And you wonder, like, what do they look like with a little more rest? Mm-hmm. What do they look like with a little bit of flexibility, right? Which is why bringing back Dylan Moore is huge, something like that. Rest is crucial, man. You need it. Crucial. Uh, yes, uh, I'm co-signing on health for the starters as well. Because that is an area where they lucked out. And uh, both of us are very, very excited about the starters, about all of them, frankly. Um, And also keeping our fingers crossed that they stay healthy. Mm -hmm. Because the reason that I was so, like, just constantly harping on adding to the lineup was to provide wiggle room. Not because I didn't think the lineup is good or not because I don't think the team can be good. But because can you stay healthy with your starting rotation if you can't, if you have injuries, if you got guys that are going to give up more runs and just aren't as good, do you have the power to be able to stay in those games? I don't know. I mean, we'll see. Uh, as it is right now, looking healthy, looking exciting, heading into spring training, there is a lot to be excited about with the Mariners. This hour of Bump and Stacy is brought to you by Advanced Hair Restoration. Let's get to four down territory. 
This is Four Down Territory. Going inside the game. What former Seahawks and Coug wide receiver Michael Bumpus. First down, Jared Goff had some advice for Derek Carr as he embarks on his second life in the NFL. What quarterbacks have shown Carr, or excuse me, what quarterbacks have shown Carr that their second leg in the league can be prosperous? It can be done. And I went down memory lane. These are just some quarterbacks, man. First, I think of my favorite quarterback of all time, Mike Vick. Three-time Pro Bowler with the Atlanta Falcons. Had a season where he rushed for 1,000 yards. Had to go sit down in that little cell for a little bit because he made some bad decisions. <laughs> then he comes back, and he has a 62% completion rate. Best in his career. Throws for over 3,000 yards. At the time, that was the best in his career. 21 touchdowns. Best in his career. Didn't have the huge team success that we saw over there in Atlanta, but he was a better quarterback. He understood the assignment. Then I go local legend Warren Moon. Started off in the CFL in 84. He joined the Houston Oilers. Six-time Pro Bowler. But in 94 and uh, 95, he goes over to Minnesota and he becomes a Pro Bowler again. Throws over 4,000 yards twice at the age 38. Comes to Seattle in 97. He's a Pro Bowler there. And then I'm going way back for this one, Stace. Tarkenton. Two-time Pro Bowler in 64 and 65. Four-time Pro Bowler with the Giants. Went back to Minnesota. Was a Pro Bowler. Appeared in three Super Bowls. Now, I say all this to circle back and say Jared Goff is the best comparison for Derek Carr, though. So I'm glad they had that, that conversation. Jared Goff was a two-time Pro Bowler with the Rams. Then he also goes to a Super Bowl with the Lions. He made the Pro Bowl. I know it's alternate, but he still made the Pro Bowl. Second most touchdowns in his career. Second highest completion rate in his career. Why did it work, though? It's because he had weapons. He had an enthusiastic coach and a guy, a team that was looking for leadership. It has to be perfect for Derek Carr. You need a team that wants you, a team that needs you, and a team with weapons. If he can find that, then he might be all right. But, the, man, you got Houston, Jets, Atlanta, and I threw Tampa Bay in there as well. Nothing really looks too attractive. Maybe Tampa Bay and Atlanta because of the weapons they have over there. But, uh, yeah, man, and Derek Carr, four times with the Raiders. They had a top-ten passing offense. Four times. People forget that the last four years. He can play, man. So I, I say all that to say yeah. good luck, Derek Carr. It can be done. That and, and that sometimes a team failure isn't necessarily a quarterback failure. Right. But we also don't know how good a quarterback can be if he's been on a failing team. Second down. It is mock draft season. They are out and about and ready for consumption. Players will be moved around on draft charts daily. So who's a player who may have moved up in the draft and who caught your eye this weekend? Man, he moved up. Our quarterback extraordinaire, Brock Heward, took my thunder this morning. I'm listening to How him. Dare he, you? he mentioned this name. I go, dang it, Brock, but I'm going to mention his name anyway. It's Jake <laughs> Heenerman, the kid out of Fresno State. He was with UW in 2018. Transfers got to sit 2019. 2020 season starts. In 2021, he hits the scene. He was a Senior Bowl MVP this past weekend. Now, he had some big games against UCLA in 2021. He completed 73% of his passes. Two touchdowns. 455. One of the best performances I've seen in college. In 2022, he played against Oregon State. Completed 64% of his passes. 360 yards. One touchdown and a loss. Now, I mentioned those two games just to say he can play against the big boys, right? He ain't scared. He ain't never scared. Now, he goes down to the Senior Bowl, and I'm like, let me see what he does against these dogs, these hogs, these dudes in the box. And he has a decent day. 11 of 19, 145, one touchdown. He was the game MVP. So now imagine this. Let's say the Seahawks stick with Geno Smith. They, they find a way. 
They find a way. Even they, they stick with Drew. You find a way. You get down to the fifth, sixth round. If this young man is available, I might take a look at him with that pick. What, 151 and 184? That's the fifth and the sixth round. Probably not going to happen because he just boosted his dra- draft stock this weekend. But I like him. He's only six foot tall, about 195 pounds. Doesn't throw the hardest football, but it's always a tight spiral. He's a competitor. He's mobile. I love watching this young man play. Doesn't have all the measurables of these other quarterbacks, but he's a good football player. Any team that picks them up might find something. Third down. We always keep an eye on player acquisitions, but which coaching move are you interested in seeing unfold? I'm looking at our boy Shoddy. Shoddy got the job over there with the Dallas Cowboys. And I'm saying, all right, man, what you going to do? Because when he was here, yes, they kind of flamed out towards the end of the season, but he helped Russell Wilson have his highest pass rating, 110. Russell Wilson threw for 40 touchdowns. He had a high 67% completion rate, and they set franchise record for point scores. So now I'm looking at Dallas the same. You got Dak Prescott. If he can get Dak Prescott to bounce back off of the season he just had, he's going to be a head coach in this league. Simple as that. You have any success with the Dallas Cowboys and you're going to help Dak Prescott, you are going to be a head coach. And he also has a run game over there. We'll see what Pollard looks like if he comes back. You got Ezekiel Elliott. You have C.D. Lamb. It's set up for Shoddy to do some things over there. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited. You got all these other moves. You got Ryan's. You got Rack. You got Peyton. I understand all the hype behind that. But I saw Schottenheimer and I, went, I said, all right, man, run it back. Let's see what you can do over there with the Cowboys. I think Schottenheimer certainly benefits from having his name and and being the son of a prominent coach mm-hmm. and prominent coordinator. Helps. But so there's a little bit of like a, you know, you're well connected and that's that helps you in the door. I also think, though, that he he is not the best uh, offensive coordinator, most creative offensive coordinator. But I think that he gets this label as being like really simplistic and bad at his job when you're right. Like Russ's best numbers in terms of even like touchdowns, passing touchdowns. We're still 40. with Brian Schottenheimer. That's a career high for him. And also, Dallas kind of makes sense. Like, I feel like the team that McCarthy might want to be is a team that is not, like, overly run heavy. Your Dak Prescott's still your best weapon, but, like, it is not a finesse pass game either. Like, I think Schottenheimer, while not the best coordinator in the world, kind of makes sense. Like, I, I get the hire. It's a good fit. Yeah. I think he's going to do well over there. I think he's getting, like, a bad rap. Fourth down. of athletes at the Pro Bowl this weekend, but who was the best overall athlete? Best overall. Before I take the best overall, I want to big ups the Seahawks who are in the Pro Bowl. Uh, Geno Smith, Tariq Woolen, Jason Myers, Quandre Diggs. Those dudes are just humble. I'm looking at all these other superstars with the chains and their goals and they're just flashy and stuff. Our guys are just there having fun. You know what I'm saying? They they look like some Northwesterners out there. But the best overall athlete I saw was Juszczyk. Like, this dude is making plays 77. Use check. He's balling out there. Now, in seven, in 7 on 7, I hope people realize this. Tight ends and running backs are going to be huge because the middle of the field is going to be a lot more open. But I'm looking at you guys make diving plays. Dodgeball, he's killing him. The way he moves, I'm like, we need to talk about fullbacks being some of the better athletes. There's only a few of them left in the league. They got to block. They got to run the ball. They also leak out in the in the pass game or whatnot. I was looking at you, checking. I'm saying with all these athletes out there, he stood out to me the most, man. Big ass fullback. Like every time I see a fullback do anything right, I just think like, my guy. Yeah, right? <laughs> Shout out. Love me some Flashback. fullback. FBs. <laughs> Classic. Uh, all right. Well, speaking of the 49ers, coming up in the timeline, one 49ers player is not willing to give the Eagles credit for their NFC championship win. No surprise. It's not just fans. That's coming up next. 
This is The Timeline with Bump and Stacy. Brought to you by 1-800-DUIOA. This is The Timeline on Bump and Stacy. Reading you the top stories you're going to see in here on your own timeline. We are going to get started in San Francisco, Bump where a 49ers player is not giving the Eagles credit for their NFC Championship win over San Francisco. That player, Brandon Ayuk, here's what he said. I got the Chiefs. I think, uh, I just, I don't know. I just, I just, I just, I just think uh, the yeah, Philly has definitely has. got Kelsey. Even they got their hands full. They got their, they, got, they got their hands full. I don't know. I don't know um, fully about that defense. Um I don't know. I, they talk about him being a good defense. I'm not too sure. I'm not. I'm not sure. I think. I think the pass game, um, this Kansas City pass game, will uh, expose what we thought we were going to be able to expose um, before some fortunate circumstances happen. So we'll see. Brandon, you're a great player on a great team, but you are hating right now. You are hating. The Eagles had more sacks during the regular season, like 15 more sacks than did Kansas City. Both defenses are good. I also feel like fans and the 49ers were kind of cheated out of a competitive game because the 49ers literally didn't have a quarterback. But I'm sorry to pretend that, like, uh, I don't know, is the Eagles defense really that good? I feel like uh, we could have beat them. You didn't. Well, and to say that the 49ers passing game is capable of what Kansas City pulls off every week, give me nah, a break, dude. Get out of here. He sounds like a young man who's still bitter that they lost. Sure. And to his defense... San Fran was eight, well, 11 of 18 for 83 yards through the air and only had 81 yards on the ground. They didn't get, or Philly didn't get San Francisco's best no. shot. Uh, so I, I listened to him speak, and then he sounds like he, he's just not informed enough. He's like, I don't know what Chiefs defense looks like. You're asking, that's the tough part. You're asking a player to be an analyst when that's not really his job. His job is to focus on the task at hand. And he looked at the Philadelphia matchup and thought, we can beat these guys. And honestly, I think that with a healthy quarterback, it's obviously not 31-7. It's no. a closer game, but it can go either way. So, no, he sounds like a young man who is just a bit bitter that he's not still playing football. And I'm not mad at him, not too much. I'm not mad at him. I think he's. I think he does sound bitter. He sounds like a hater, and you know maybe that's fine. I just it's it's the trying to pass it off like it's analysis that gets it for me. Like it's like the I don't. I'm not too sure about their defense. I don't think. Bro, I think he, he was spent just a asked week a question. studying that defense. I don't think he was like he, he doesn't do no research. I yeah, think he, he does. he's on a podcast. No, he was asked a question. No, no, and he no, asked no, it. You think no. he sits down and have, writes all the notes that we write about each team in the playoffs? I still think in he the knows. Matchups? I think having played in the most important game of the season thus far he knows plenty about the Eagles defense no no I'm talking no we're talking about the Chiefs he says he doesn't know he doesn't know much about the Chiefs defense go yeah he doesn't because he well he should because the Chiefs dusted the 49ers earlier this year you but do you guys think that he sits and does like research you know what he does he picks up the packet and he goes third and two this is what they like to do he worries about his position but I understand if you are asked a question and expected to give analysis. Hopefully they gave him the questions before the podcast. That's where they messed up. If they didn't let him know what they're going to ask him before the podcast, then he's destined to fail because he's not going to have those answers. Next up, in an interview with Colin Cowherd, Tom Brady, recently retired quarterback, shared what he expects to start, that he expects to start his broadcasting career with Fox Sports. And I think for me, I want to be great at what I do. And even, you know, talking even last week with the people at Fox Sports, you know, and, and the leadership there allowing me to start you know, my Fox opportunity in, in the fall of 2024 is something that's great for me. So take some time to really learn, become great at what I want to do, become great at, um, you know, thinking about the opportunity and making sure I don't rush into anything. And I, I, 
I think when people really bet on me, I think one thing about my career, whether I was when I was drafted by the Patriots or signing for agency with the Bucks, I wanted to be, you know, fully committed. And I, I never wanted to let people down. I think my biggest motivator was that. So, you know, even in the future, I want to be great at what I do. And that always takes some time and strategizing and, and learning and growing and evolving. And I have so many people to rely on that um, can support me in that growth, too. So it's going to be a good, great opportunity for me to take some time to really uh, certainly become at my Fox broadcasting job, which I'm really looking forward to, but also catching up on other parts of my life that uh, need some need some time and energy. That time will take the entirety of 2023 because his broadcast job will start in 2024. Good for him. Take your time. Yeah. I think what has made Tom Brady so successful is not his athletic ability. It's not him getting outside the pocket. It's him preparing and knowing what the heck is going on. So I, I admire that. Some guys can just jump in like Tony Romo and, and do his thing. And we kind of see where he is now where they're having intervention meetings on him being prepared. <laughs> I think Tom is just making sure he's ready to go and spend some time with your kids, bro. Spend some time with your yeah, kids. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, I'm going to stick on the topic of Tom, but we are not going to hear from Tom. We are going to hear from Trent. Trent Dilfer, uh, during uh, ESPN's Bullies at Baltimore 30 for 30, former Ravens quarterback Trent Dilfer had a wild take. Just know that this is coming from Trent Dilfer. Had a wild take about quarterback play in 2023. Modern day game does not impress me. It's super easy when you don't get hit as a quarterback and when you can't reroute receivers and when you can't hit guys across the middle. I love Tom Brady. I love Aaron Rodgers. I love these guys. It's not impressive. What's impressive is what they did. Trent Dilfer <laughs> saying Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, yeah, they don't really impress him. Now, he did say, like, look, it's it's that, like, the style of play has changed and maybe he's implying it used to be harder. Um, Trent Dilfer is one of the weakest quarterbacks to go on and win a Super Bowl. Uh, I I get what maybe he's trying to say, Bump. Uh, I just don't know if he's the person that should be saying this. Nah, you know what? If you if you watch the uh, the thirty for thirty, you see they're on a stage, and he has his teammates around him, his former coach. Baltimore fans are in the crowd. It's purple everywhere. He got caught up in that moment. He could say anything. Yeah, you got anything he says is going to be <laughs> applauded. Everyone's going to cheer. Yeah, yeah Trent, Trent, you tell him. Like, Trent, these dudes are dropping dimes out there. Don't get it twisted. No. And it's almost, now it's it's not as impressive in some ways because the game is changing. It's not as physical. But it's also impressive in a lot of ways because they're throwing the ball 40 to 50 times and everyone knows they're going to throw the ball 40 to 50 times yet. They still have success. It's a different game for sure, but to sit up there with your legs crossed and Ray Lewis to your right and Shannon Sharp on the left and act like what these guys are doing is not impressive is uh, concerning. Also, this texter makes a good point, and Aaron Rodgers isn't far behind. Dilfer makes somewhat of a point, says the 253, except Brady played at the same time as Trent Dilfer. Same era for more than half of Dilfer's career. And by the way, uh, Aaron Rodgers debuted in what, 2005? He was a 2005 draft pick, so... Mm -hmm. Dilfer there was, was a lot of overlap. There was a lot of overlap. Dilfer played to 2007. So if he wants to point to like it's a new era of quarterback and he's talking about Kyler Murray or Josh Allen or whatever, or like guys that Patrick are Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes, okay, they're all 27 or younger. To point to guys who played, both of them had their careers overlap with yours. And one of them was playing during half of your career. Is that who you want to point to? 
No, nah, man. You know what? And I don't I'm know look, about that trend. I'm looking for him on this all-time greatest quarterback list. You when won't it find comes it. You scroll all the way to the bottom. I'm looking. I might have overlooked him, but uh, he ain't sticking out there, Trent. <laughs> well, and you look at Tom Brady's role on that 2001 Patriots team. I think it was very similar to what Dilfer did with the Ravens, where you know, don't turn the ball over. Uh, you know, just get us in position to where our defense can take over. Uh, I mean, Tom Brady won the Super Bowl the year after Trent Dilfer won his with the Ravens. Like. It's not like Brady won his 20 years after It had Ravens some advantage did. that you didn't. Exactly. Like, he played in your era. He's also played in this era. Like he just that's how in a different ex- way. Yeah. Like, dude, that's being a hater. It is. The, two, of two of the top maybe five or six quarterbacks Trent, ever. you are fortunate to play with the defense that you played with. Yes. And it is the only reason you have a Super Bowl to your name. He's number 113 when it comes to all-time passing yards. But Oh, that's not bad. Hey, you won a Super Bowl. Hey. Dilfer's Dimes is all over TV. He knows the game, but he was caught up in that He's moment. He's coaching at uh, UAB now. He's their mm-hmm. head football coach. Next up in the timeline, last story in the timeline. Let's end uh, with Marshawn Lynch, of course. Uh, Marshawn didn't take too kindly to a Madden game designer saying that Derrick Henry was a better Madden player than Marshawn. So, yo, wait, I got to ask you, as the well-known Madden creator here, who is the top Madden player? Who's the player to beat in this competition? It's all about King Henry. Hello, blood. What's that? He's talking King about Henry. the player. How you ain't even throw player. my name in that thing? You talk about a whole other person when I'm standing right here. You're, you're close second. Bro, you you're close, close second. second. <laughs> we're, we're, we are not, Blood, we are not talking about Derrick Henry. We were talking about the Madden player. I'm talking about me as okay, the Madden player. That's true. You're talking about some other George. Who you say? King Henry. King Henry. That's what I mean. George. Kevin. A million dollars is on the line. yourself the boy Pisa, and I'm the boy boy. You feel what I'm talking about? I see but what you're, you're supposed to be talking about me when it okay. comes to this mad thing. Oh, oh me, oh, gee. But here's what you're going to love. About you. Here's, what, here's what you're going to It's just every quote <laughs> is perfect. Hey, blood. All all of my homies from uh, the Bay Area. That's uh, it's automatically. Blood. Hey, blood. What's up, blood? What you doing, blood? That's, just, that's how it goes, Yeah, man. same, 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 same. <laughs> uh, all right. Miss any part of the show? Make sure you're subscribed to the Bump and Stacy podcast, the latest Seattle sports news, available on your phone every single weekday. That's wherever you get your podcast: Spotify, Google Play, Apple. Please rate and review if you do subscribe. Five stars. Uh, a review doesn't take very long. We would very, very much appreciate it if you are already subscribed. Thank you in advance. All right. We've been talking Super Bowl. We will do so all week. One of the teams in the Super Bowl, Philadelphia, representing the NFC. So are the Seahawks chasing the 49ers or the Eagles? That's next. Live from the Alaska Airlines studio, this is Seattle Sports Station. You're listening to Bump and Stacy, Powered by Kitsap Credit Union. All right, you are listening to Bump and Stacy. We're talking a bit about the Super Bowl. We'll be talking about the Super Bowl every single day this week, Bump, but I have a particular angle to look at today. The Philadelphia Eagles representing the NFC, and if it wasn't going to be the Eagles, well, Bump, it was going to be the 49ers who are in the NFC West, certainly a team Seattle's going to have to be on the lookout for in 2023. But is it the Eagles or the 49ers that are now the people to chase for the Seahawks in the NFC? You naturally want to say... Philly, right? Because they're playing for a championship this weekend and the Niners aren't. But the first thing I did, I go back and I look at, okay, who does Philly have to sign? Because they had a heck of a defense last year. I want to see who needs to be back on the books. You got a Hargrave. He was a double digit sack dude. He's a free agent this year. He's going to command about 13 million. 
You got Fletcher Cox as well. You got Brandon Graham. So there are some pieces that they need to re-sign. I'm not sure what their cap looks like. Haven't really dove into it. But I'm looking at them and saying, all right, they got to re-sign some guys. When you look at the 49ers, I think Nick Bosa is the big one. He's going to require around $20 million probably, probably 20-plus million to re-sign. But I think you always start in your division, especially when one of the two best teams in the NFC was in your division or is in your division. You have to play those guys twice a year. So if you're not even beating them, what makes you think you can go over to the East, to the NFC East, and beat those guys? So I think initially you start there, but there's levels to it. It's like a video game, right? Mm-hmm. There's there's levels. Level one, level two, level three. Level one is you got to beat everybody else in your division. Level two, then you go after the 49ers. Level three, you get into the playoffs, and if you come across Philly, you got to get them. But the thing that both these teams have in common is that they're just complete teams, yes. man. They got an offense, got defense, got receivers, got running back, got a quarterback. Jalen Hurts has the edge when it comes to quarterback. You might have one in Purdy. You're chasing both of them. It's just who do you run into first? I think it comes down to with me. So I look at the Niners and say, you got to get them first. I mean, difference is, I don't know that they're not playing the Eagles in 2023. They're playing the 49ers twice in 2023, mm-hmm. no matter what. So, so yeah, you got to look at the 49ers. Uh, the only thing that's interesting to me is obviously um, – there are some 49ers fans who don't feel this way, but the 49ers have a huge question mark at quarterback, whereas the Eagles have Jalen Hurts next mm-hmm. year. I don't know that Jalen Hurts can repeat the kind of performance he had this year. The jump he had from 2021 to 2022 is astronomical, and it's great. It's a feat he should be very proud of, but um, will there be regression in in 2023 or continued advancement. Who knows, right? Like right. We, we do not know yet. The season hasn't happened. I think the room for regression is there if only because it's what we've seen before. It's the same thing when people say there's room for regression for Gino. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> like definitely If is. you've seen one version of a player before and then later an improved version, you can only go one of two ways. You can keep getting better or you can get worse. Um, so I have more optimism about the Eagles. I think that um, the Eagles have a lot of uh, really, really good young pieces. They have some key defenders hitting free agency. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be uh, a walk in the park for them to keep their Super Bowl team intact. Who knows if it'll be a Super Bowl winning team intact. Um, I just think that the 49ers are a hard team to bet on to make it all the way until they figure out quarterback, which feels almost unfair because they are so good. And you got to wait to figure it out, too. That's the part that's going to kill people because we don't know what Purdy, what his situation is yet. We don't know how they view Trey Lance. Is he going to be the guy? Sometimes coaches have to admit that they got it wrong. And I think Trey Lance, because he only played one season of football outside of high school, he still has room to develop. He's one guy that you shouldn't have asked to come out early and carry this team. You just look at his playing experience. Dude just doesn't have a lot of it. But I want to go back to what you said about regression. And mm-hmm. the first thing I thought about, I'm like, Aaron Rodgers had to have had some bad years, right? There's no way this <laughs> dude just balled out every single year. Yes. And I'm looking at his stats and I go, all right, he was a Pro Bowl. The first Pro Bowl was in 2009. He completed 64% of his passes, 4,400 yards. He had 30 interceptions, excuse me, 30 touchdowns, seven interceptions. The next year, he doesn't make the Pro Bowl. Throws for 3,900 yards, and he has 28 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. The next year, boom, production goes back up. 45 tutties, 6 interceptions. Boom, next year, production back down. 39, not a not a horrible drop, 39 no, touchdowns. But I'm just looking at Aaron Rodgers, and I'm saying this is the NFL. Mm-hmm. So 
to expect Gino to have a year of regression as possible, to expect Purdy to have a year of regression as possible, but there's also years where you climb up and you do better. Um, there's just no way to guarantee what's what's going on with this thing. So I don't even know. I, you know, I got off the rails. I don't even remember where we started with this, but you just had me thinking about regressions and stuff. Regression and I pulled and up court- Aaron Rodgers. No, it's interesting because that's – when we talk about like the teams that you're looking out for in 2023, the hardest thing to predict is uh, any kind of regression for players that have been pretty good um, or, on the opposite side, surprise performances, uh, or like things that you can't expect, like injury or just random things. Like, I don't know who predicted that the Rams would be as bad as they were. If you did, congrats, because they are now the worst team coming off of a Super yeah. Bowl win uh, the following season. So no one could have seen that coming. With the 49ers and Eagles, there's a lot more there to say, hey, I think they're going to be the team to chase. Mm-hmm. I think those are going to be the two best teams. I think the NFC and the NFC Conference Championship game this year was truly represented by the two best teams in the NFC. Right. And they felt like the two best teams all year long. But what does the rest of the conference look like next year? There are so many question marks at quarterback in this mm-hmm. conference. Um, there's so much room for regression, including for these two teams. But there's always surprises. Where are the surprises going to be? Right? Right. Is it going to be uh, that the Seahawks go with Drew and that Drew takes off? Is it going to be uh, that the Rams bounce back and are suddenly great? Is it going to be uh, that Aaron Rodgers is traded and Jordan Love is the next great thing, it, right? Like, what's the next surprise going to be? Because that's going to change everything about this conference. Right now, though, we're looking at it, and it's you're chasing one of two teams. How do you how do you get those guys? Yeah, you're you're chasing them, and this is how this is how you you close the gap. You need to solidify your quarterback position, whether that be Geno, Drew, or the draft. And I've never been I've never looked forward to March 15th more than I have this year, because then we'll find some clarity of what we think or what the the Hawks are going to do with that. So you got to find your quarterback and then defensively, you have to get better there. I've never looked forward to March 15th Mm -hmm. for that reason, too, because now you're going to see what type of moves you're going to make defensively. But those are the things that you know to be true. Figure out the quarterback and get better on defense. If not, you're still going to be chasing Philly. You're still going to be chasing the Niners. And honestly, I think this is a a year and a half, two-year process to catch these dudes. I don't think you just make a couple moves and boom, you're there. Can it happen? Of course it can. We have seen it. But I think that... When you're relying on the draft, you're relying on acquisitions during the offseason, it's just a process. You're not going to get five rookies. I hope you do, like this year. But I don't think you're going to get five rookies out of this draft that are going to contribute right now and have one make the Pro Bowl. It's just not realistic, but it can happen. Either way, they are, I'd say, a couple strides behind both these teams. Well, let's talk about some of those strides, how they can improve in 2023 with Bob Condota of the Seattle Times. He joins us next. We'll also ask Bob if he's heard anything on contract negotiations between Gino and Seattle. That's next.